Well, there was a hockey game at Bridgestone Arena last night. The only problem is the Preds didn't really show up for it. What went wrong in last night's 5-2 loss to the Vancouver Canucks? Where is the Preds' top line? And what do we think of the officiating from last night's game? All things we'll tackle on today's Locked on Predators. Your Locked on Predators, your daily podcast on the Nashville Predators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making the Locked On Predators podcast your first listen of the day. Every single day, we are your free daily Nashville Predators podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, want to start by giving a special shout out to our loyal Locked On Predheads, the everydayers who tune into every single show. We love you guys and we appreciate the support you give us week in and week out. I'm Nick Morgan. I'm a writer at Penalty Box Radio and I have a partner in crime. You do. I'm Ann Kimmel. I'm a writer at the Hockey News. Today's episode is also brought to you by Sleeper. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDONNHL to get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. All right. Nashville Predators scored two goals against the Vancouver Canucks. The only problem is the Vancouver Canucks scored five goals against the Nashville Predators. A big 5-2 loss to Vancouver last night in a game in which we had kind of said before, and Andrew Burnett had said before, was kind of a measuring stick. And Anne, I think that stick has just been swept away down the Cumberland River, uh, headed towards a impending doom over a dam or something like that. Let's just pretend like nobody picked up the stick, y'all. There's no stick. The stick is broken. <laughs> the stick is broken and nobody left it on the ice. That's the upside, but it is yeah, gone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is gone. Yeah, this ended up not being a measuring stick game for a couple of reasons. First of all, the Nashville Predators certainly did not bring their A game. This was not the team that we anticipated would take the ice. Uh, they just weren't ready. And that was something we heard in the post game. A couple of the players were like, man, we just weren't ready. We just weren't ready. Um, and they weren't just Which mentally. Which is a bad excuse. Like It is. It is a bad excuse. And I'm, and I'm not sure they maybe knew it ahead of the game. But I think once the game got going, there was an, oh, crap. We're not. We, we weren't ready. And. Part of it, you know, Andrew Burnett kind of talked about it in the post game. He talked about, you know, part of it is focus. Focus was a really big thing. But, you know, there's just there's something about this time of year where it's a little bit tricky. I would go ahead and I would say that the Vancouver Canucks did not have their best game. That was not Vancouver's A game. It's just that Vancouver's C game was significantly better than what Nashville put out on the ice. But I don't think either team really showed off as good as they are. I, I don't think we saw Vancouver's best either, which needs to be something that the NHL takes note of because you can walk away and we're going to talk about all the takeaways for the Nashville Predators, but there's a huge takeaway here too, that the Vancouver Canucks are the real freaking deal. Yeah. Even when they're just okay, they're really good y'all. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head that it was, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. 
because we talked about where the Preds didn't feel like they're ready. That's happened a couple times now. Because yeah. we talked about, you know, that Minnesota Wild game kind of being circled uh, on the calendar. Uh, and that was a game that Andrew Burnett brought up at the end of this game as well yeah. on his post-game press conference. It's just like, it seems like outside of that Colorado game, mm-hmm. it just seems like every time that we're like, oh, this is at home. This is a big opportunity to kind of showcase who we are. Poof. Like it's like, you know, ter- like bad all around performance, like among the worst of the year. Uh, let's dive into this game a little bit more. So for those of you who didn't watch it, quick recap, uh, good start, I think, for both teams. And then the Vancouver Canucks within 30 seconds at the end of the first period score two. Elias Pettersson and uh, Aman who I've never heard of before this game, but kudos to him. Yeah, uh, It looked like the Predators were getting some momentum back halfway through the second period. Really good start to the second period. Yeah. Jeremy Lazan scores a goal because he's a noted goal scorer. But then within a minute of Jeremy Lazan scoring a goal, the Canucks scored twice, and Twice, yo! After Jeremy Lazan scored, Nils Hoglander and Pia Suter uh, scored to make it a 4-1 game for the Canucks. Teddy Bluger added another goal uh, in the third period. UC Saros got pulled at that point, who was not happy about getting pulled. No. Uh, and then Cody Glass, maybe the highlight of the game, gets the a beautiful goal uh, with just about 10 seconds remaining. Uh, his first goal of the year, but it, garbage time at that point. 5-2 Canucks, the final score. And... Your one word to describe the game. My one word is lapse. I mean, I wanted to come up with something clever, and you all know I wanted to come up with something food-related. But I set all of that aside because the word for me is lapse. And this was a game where there was a lapse in focus. There was a lapse in energy. I would say for both teams at times, I don't think, like I said, we saw the best from the Canucks as well. And and a little bit, thank goodness, because that would have hurt even worse. But there were lapses in important shifts, like those shifts after goals. You know, the Predators just sort of were a little bit checked out. There was uh, lapses in judgment. There were some poor decisions made by players individually during the game. There was lapses in kind of controlling the emotion of the game. And we're going to talk about kind of that big event. This was just a game where when the Predators needed to be on, when they needed to be dialed in, they just, it was a lapse. It was just there was there was a disconnect there was a miss and and when that happens you see how a team that's been so good can play so bad that's my yeah. one word lapse yeah my one word and is uncomposed mm, come on and again this is, i wanted to come up with something clever but i felt like nah let's just let's just <laughs> keep it simple for this one <laughs> um because it, it that's what it looked like for the Nashville Predators it's just they could not you know, for lack of a better term, just keep their skates under them mm-hmm. in this game. It was a game in which they got too high with the highs of the game with, you know, when they were playing well, uh, they got too low. I think when adversity hit and you saw that, you know, uh, you know, not a good start to the Preds, but it was kind of, you know, a 50, 50 start in that first period. And then, Elias Pettersson scores, and then immediately the guy I've never heard of for Vancouver scores right after that. 
And then, you know, we go to intermission. Preds, you know, regain their composure. Jeremy Lazan scores. You got momentum. Yeah. You have momentum right there. It's two to one. You've been playing really, really good that second period. Outplaying the Canucks in that second period. Yes. Uh, I would say. And then, poof, within a minute, within a minute of scoring that goal, the other team gets two. And it's just, and then it's just like we we've had that conversation before, Anne, where it was, you know, Andrew Burnett talks about, you know, the shifts after, you know, we score a shift after they score. Yes. Uh, the shift after, you know, they play immediately after they kill a penalty or we kill a penalty. Those are the like momentum changing moments, and that is where the Predators got clobbered last night. Yeah. Vancouver responded to every twist and turn in that game beautifully. And they were able to kind of, you know, the minute they got momentum or the minute they needed a big shift to turn things around, they got it. And that's something the Nashville Predators did not do. And that's kind of the biggest maybe sticking point with this team right now is having awful time doing that. Um, but yeah, uncomposed, this team just did not look like they were ready to kind of deal with the ups and downs of a big game. Like last night, I do want to share one of our one words that we got on Twitter, because I think it may be the greatest one word in the history of one words. Okay. (laughs) I want to share it. This is from Chris green at Bellevue Preds. His one word is conductrum. We just can't solve that team this year. (laughs) Well, yep. You nailed it. Appreciate the good wordplay there. That is, yeah. They really could not, they could not solve this team. And and I thought this was the game that the Predators would be able to do it. I thought this was the game where they had gained that composure that you're talking about over the last stretch where they would be able to do that. And, And it just, it did not materialize. So until next season, Vancouver, we probably won't miss you a ton. This is like a new version of like the mid 2010s Red Wings. Yes. Where it's like the Red Wings had won like nine in a row against the Preds or something like that. Not even the good Red Wings. Just like the Red Wings. Just something about this team just stumps the Preds. Yeah, it's true. Um, A big question about the Predators last night. Um, Where was the top line? That's kind of been an ongoing question for the last couple of games. We have a stat that uh, I think may surprise some people. Plus, we'll talk about the officiating. Plus, we'll hear from Andrew Burnett about the game and get his thoughts and comment on what he said. First, I want to mention today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Here's a question for you, hockey fans. Do you think Bo Horvat is going to score a goal tonight for the New York Islanders? Do you think our buddy Nino Niederreiter is going to have at least two shots on goal versus the Red Wings? And do you think Gabe Velarde, maybe the hottest player in the league right now, is going to score on the power play? If you get the answer to those questions right, you can win big on Sleeper, the official daily fantasy app of the Locked On NHL Network. Sleeper is our number one choice for daily fantasy sports and especially daily fantasy hockey because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in daily fantasy hockey contests. All you have to do is pick whether our all-star players, like the ones we mentioned and many more, will record more or less than their Sleeper projections for things like goals, assists, saves, plus, minus, and more. 
in a given game. To win a 100 times bet on Sleeper, you need to correctly predict the outcome of eight player stats. You heard me, Preds fans. You can win 100 times your money playing daily fantasy hockey with Sleeper. So start paying attention and nail your picks so you can start winning big. Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that is code LOCKEDONNHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details and locational availability. All right, and Nashville Predators fall to the Vancouver Canucks 5-2 last night. Not a great all-around game for the Predators. Let's hear from Andrew Burnett on his thoughts because he had some interesting comments about this one. Um, Disappointing. Um, You know, I thought obviously wasn't our best. I thought both teams were a little sleepy in the first. Um, Self-inflicted ourselves for two goals to fall down. And I thought our second was really good. The first 12 minutes of the second period where I thought we were get to our game. We get a big goal, had all the momentum and kind of shot ourselves in the foot there. Two goals. And that was pretty much the hockey game. I didn't like our focus. That's something we, we talked about, especially this time of year with everything that's going on. Um, I didn't think mentally we were sharp. Um, we didn't have the energy obviously either. So I think you, you, you rinse it. But I think there has to be some lessons learned there a little bit. And, and we've had some of these games where, you know, I think of the Minnesota game, that they're kind of big games, and, and we kind of self-inflict ourselves. It's kind of happened early in the year at different times and mm-hmm. kind of showed up again, showed us ugly face again today. we got to play better. We talked about it a little bit this morning. You know, I don't feel we've been winning games, but we've been kind of getting away with some things. And tonight, you know, we really to give ourselves a chance to get to, to let juice take over. Um, but we need to be better and, and we haven't played a good 60 minute game here for a while. So that's going to be the focus. All right. And uh, do you care to break that all down? Yeah, I think it was very interesting. One thing I will say that I really like about Andrew Burnett is he calls a spade a spade and he does not do a lot of that uh, hockey language um, so I think it's very helpful to kind of hear his take in, in post games, especially after a game like this. And the term that jumped out to me is he talks about it being self-inflicted. This is a self-inflicted loss. And you look at this game and for as good as Vancouver is, and we know that they're a great team. We talked about, this is not their best game. This was not Vancouver's a game. Uh, this is a game the Predators could have won had they brought their A game against the Vancouver Canucks. And it was self-inflicted. It was dumb decisions. It was mental lapses. It was not being, you know, focused and on top of the game. It was kind of being carried along by this game. I think it's very interesting that he brought up the Minnesota game because that was kind of a similar thing. Big game, big talk terrible performance by the Nashville Predators. So it's like, is this team able to rise up in these big games or does the emotion get the best of them when they're kind of faced with like a, a measuring stick game, a challenge of a game? I don't know. Yeah. I'm. It's hard to break down because the thing that stuck with me is him saying, we haven't really played a good 60 minute game in a while. And, you know, he kind of said, what some people have been saying in some of these losses around the country is, you know, we've got a little bit lucky here. Yes. Some of these games we're getting wins, but we're doing it kind of lucky. Like, you know, you can kind of tell like the urgency 
a little bit in terms of look like this was it kind of seemed like he was trying to phrase this more as this loss was a long time coming yeah and it yeah. was just like look like this is a wake-up call and there's a lot of individual players last night uh who did not play well uh tyson berry if you're out there to try to increase yeah. your trade value you're not doing very good my friend like i get it like i know that there is you know frustration from his end on how he's being used um i know that there is you know kind of a hairy situation right now but come on man when you're on the team like you gotta be dialed in like you gotta have your a game and tyson berry uh has not looked good for yeah. a big stretch of the season and that is a frustrating point one that i'm sure has gotten addressed luke shen like at what point do you have to throw your hands up and say this this is a failure this is tough and here's the part that makes those situations more difficult to kind of work through is who was sitting out dante fabro who, who has, has been good this good this season with different line mates, you know, kind of playing different roles, Dante Fabro, you know, so it, it's a little bit tough to see players who you feel like, look, put fabs in. It's tough to see players who are taking uh, games in theory away from Dante Fabro really struggle on the ice. So that is, that's a tough situation. You know, when you've got somebody right there, I mean, you don't have to recall him. He's just hanging out put fabs on the ice. So yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I think you would be very hard pressed to name one Nashville predator who had a good game. Yeah. And that includes some of the players that we're kind of paying to have good games. Yeah. Which yeah. is the predators top line. Um, Philip Forsberg, Ryan O'Reilly, Gustav Nyquist were so good. So good to start this year. Uh, and you brought up kind of an interesting stat here. Yeah. So look, we know that Philip Forsberg is fantastic. He has won two overtime games. We know Ryan O'Reilly is terrific in front of the net on the power play. But if you look at the top line and they're scoring at five on five, this month has been a challenge for them. Uh, Gus Nyquist scored a five on five on five goal December 12th against Philadelphia. Before that, uh, for, Philip Forsberg hasn't scored a full, an even strength goal since December 3rd. Ryan O'Reilly hasn't scored a five on five goal since December 2nd. So while you're getting production from them on special teams and in overtime, it's that top line at five on five that you're not seeing the offense come from. And I think there's a couple of reasons for that. Obviously word got out. That's the top line. Yeah. That opposing teams are really going to go out and put their best defenses on. They're going to really um, try to, to kind of clamp them down. And I do think in recent games, you have certainly seen Philip Forsberg be targeted by the opponents. It's like when he gets the puck, everybody swarm. <laughs> like, don't give him an inch because he'll take a mile. But this is a line in the month of December that really has not produced at even strength. And while they have been fantastic in other situations, they have to produce offensively at even strength. And they just they just haven't been able to get it going in December at five on five. No, and, and that's 
a massive concern for the yeah. players too, because they were winning the games at the end of November, at the start of December. And, you know, we kind of mentioned it. It was just, you know, Philip Forsberg was still having good stats, but it seems like it was like, okay, that line was a little less impactful this game and then a little less impactful this game. And then, you know, you, you have a situation last night in which that was the first time I've seen that line just, you know, not, not visible, but mm-hmm. it's severely outplayed by yeah. who they're out there against. And hey, like Brock Besser, Elias Pedersen, Quinn Hughes, those are some really good top oh, gosh, yeah. players. So I, I get that. It was mm-hmm. just, you know, with the context of everything else, you really hoped that uh, maybe the Predators' big guns would have stepped up uh, a little yeah. bit. And uh, I feel like it is time to talk about the officiating. Mm. Not not the end all be all of the game, but True. something that definitely uh, deserves a deep dive. Let's do that in just one second, shall we? First, want to let you know today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL hot offers are going to stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. So that's $150 if your team wins. So if you have been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. This app is safe. It's very easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options that you can choose from, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season, FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, Anne, let's just uh, dive into the question here, shall we? What do you think of the officiating last night? Okay, I want to always preface everything I say about officiating with this. This is a crap job. It is a very hard job when you are the people who have to make a judgment in real time and everybody else in the arena gets to make a judgment on replays and at slower speed. It is a hard job and a thankless job. And so I really, I really always try to stay away from criticizing the officials, but I do have to say gently, that was not a well-officiated game. That's the nicest thing I can say. And it was really shocking. Um, I think the first, uh, the Tyson Berry penalty where he was called for interference, I can see where at real time, maybe it looked like Tyson Berry interfered. I can also see very clearly that the theater major in me appreciated the dive (laughs) that was executed by Dakota Joshua, who, you know, drew that penalty. But it was also the non-calls, and we'll get to the big call here in a minute, but the non-calls were troublesome to me. When Tommy Novak was sprung from the box and had a breakaway and, you know, absolutely taken down from behind, nothing. Nothing. And I'm like, how? I mean, you can't tell me that in that tangled mess of bodies, you can't Scooby-Doo your way to understanding that that was not an appropriate play. Like... I really was surprised by the call. And I will say this, Bridgestone Arena was very unanimous in how they felt about the refing with their chance. And also the second and third period when the refs took the ice, it was to a chorus that was not the hallelujah chorus, friends. It was, they were booed. And it was a very frustrating game. 
here's the other thing I will say. The Predators did not lose this game because of officiating. No. That's not why they lost. Yeah. To your point, Anne, uh, at 4.09 in the um, in, in the first period, uh, Nils Hoglander went to the box for a slashing penalty uh, on mm-hmm. Ryan McDonough. At 6.58 of the third period, the Canucks were called for too many men on the ice. That is 42 minutes and just about 49 seconds between penalty calls for the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. And there was definitely some calls that could have gone their way. Now, to be fair, after that first period, the Nashville Predators only had one penalty, yeah. too. So, to, to be fair, just put that on there. That was a too many men on the ice call in the second period. But it was just, look, I, I get let them play. I get that sentiment. Mm-hmm especially in a game like this where it's like two of the hottest teams in the Western conference. Right. But at the same time, if it's an obvious penalty, call it like it's, if it's something that impacts the game, call it. And then uh, you look, uh, I, I don't know what Michael McCarron did. There was whispers that he may have used a certain four letter word directly to a ref. Um, but you can't, the, the way I'll say that is I've seen way worse than that to a ref, not oh, yeah. you guys drag refs, push refs, everything. Have you heard like Brad Marchand talk to a ref? Have you seen Sidney Crosby talk to a ref? Come on. Like, you know, I've seen that where maybe at most, at most you'll get an unsportsmanlike conduct or like a 10 minute misconduct or something like that. What did he do in that sequence to warrant being thrown out of the game? Yeah. So, like, that's that's the thing. Like, you can't, you know, say, let the players play. We're going to be hands-off on this. And then give a game misconduct for, you know, a guy telling you to F off. Yeah. Like, that's, like, that, those are two different things. Like, and I get it. Like, abuse of an official, that's. You know, something you want to X out. But again, like I've seen that not 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 called be be called before or just be like, okay, fine. You're getting a misconduct. Come back here in 10 minutes. Yeah. Not tossed. Tossed. Yeah. It's it's not it's not necessarily, oh, this call was better. This call was better. It was just I feel like inconsistency across the board. And I think that's a frustration for the players because it depends on what referee you have, what's going to be called. I would agree with you. I think they probably were a little bit too hands off in this game. I think there were some obvious calls both ways. Like, you know, I think there were some things that the Predators did that they very clearly could have been whistled for at times as well. They were very hands off. But the McCarran situation really, I struggled with that because... Uh, Jeremy Lazan afterward, you know, we asked him like, hey, what, what the, what, what was that? What happened? And Lazan's like, I have no idea what happened. He's like, I made a legal hit and yeah. somebody came after me. And and I thought this was great from Lazan. He's like, look, I can't fight somebody every time I, I lay a legal hit. I just, yeah. I can't fight somebody every time I do my job. And right. McCarran kind of jumped in, but McCarran dropped the gloves, but I didn't see McCarran throw a punch. no. What, how is that said? Like he was willing to go. Yeah. And, and, but then it didn't happen. And 
I think, okay, you didn't see McCarran. There's no instigator there. You didn't see him hit anything. Now, McCarran lost his Jesus. I mean, I think it's very clear that McCarran lost his Jesus. And you can't do that. Yeah. But also, there's a part of me that wants to defend McCarran because McCarran is that guy. He is that loyal he has that loyalty thing in him. Like, I think that's just his care part of his character. Now he needs to walk it out different. Let me be clear. Got to walk that out different, Michael. Sure. But he is going to defend his teammate and you can't talk to refs like that. Like y'all just don't do it. But this was a situation that didn't need to bubble over the way that it did. And losing McCarran, which I know last season, people would laugh at this statement, but losing McCarran makes a difference for this team. See, I, I would have gone, Hey, you know, like if you're talking about losing McCarran, like as a turning point in this game, you have bigger problems than, than that. So, yeah, but I do think he is a loss to the team when he's not on the ice. And I think the extreme, the extremeness of that situation, I think it, I think it threw the predators for a little bit. Now they responded well in the second until they didn't. <laughs> Yeah. And that's the story of the game, y'all. <laughs> Until right. they didn't. Uh, so the Nashville Predators are going to have to turn some things around quickly because they yeah. have the Philadelphia Flyers uh, on Thursday. That's a tough team because the Flyers have been playing some really good hockey lately this season. Uh, and then you have the Matt Duchesne Dallas Stars game uh, Saturday afternoon. So, yeah. Yeah, these are two tough games in Nashville before they get to the Christmas break. So, hey, if that game against the Canucks was a measuring stick in, these next two are going to be a, I don't know, what's better. Measuring log? I don't measuring, know. Yeah, me measuring tape measure. There you go. I, I don't They're know. They're very important, y'all. They're very yeah. important. So, something more I guess high end than a measuring stick. <laughs> uh, for those of you who do drafting and engineering, let us help know us out. Yeah. Uh, tomorrow we will have a preview of the Flyers game plus a naughty and nice list ahead of the Nashville Predators game of against the Philadelphia Flyers with two shopping days left before Christmas. You can catch that tomorrow and you can catch all our episodes on our YouTube channel as well. That's going to do it for us on today's Locked on Predators podcast. Thanks for making us your first listen of the day. Back with a new episode tomorrow. We'll see you then.